0: Welcome to the Deep Gripping Reality Podcast, the show that goes beyond digital marketing tips and tricks and hacks and takes a deep dive into the psychology of sales and marketing and communications in general with life lessons to help you reach your goals and find your true definition of success. My name is Steve Adelman and you better get ready. It's about to get deep. I've had two guests on this week that I respect very, very much. Uh, the first one was Lawrence Shaw Jr. of Cal Design Co. If you haven't listened to that episode, go back and do it now. It's really, really good. And then I was lucky enough to get one of my colleagues, Ahmad Al-Kofahi, to um, be a guest on the show as well. And Ahmad is really, really brilliant when it comes to how computers and humans interact and communicate and the importance of data. And knowing what to do with it and and how to utilize it, that sort of thing. Um, So Ahmad and I had a really, really interesting conversation. And it's ironic that this this podcast that you're listening to uh, is posting on Black Friday. Because Black Friday, as you all know, is a big shopping day. And... We talk in this episode uh, pretty extensively about big data and what uh, companies are doing with people's data to figure out how to make the best shopping experience for them and give them the best promotions and, you know, try to use it for the powers of good and not evil. Um, I think you really appreciate this episode, especially if you do any shopping online or if you have any, if you're a loyalty card holder for just about any company, Um, it's It's going to be pretty cool, so strap in tight, guys. It's about to get deep. On today's episode of the Deep Gripping Reality Podcast, I have a very close friend of mine and co-worker by the name of Ahmad. Hi, Ahmad. Hello. Ahmad is a guest that's actually sitting here right with me. I didn't even have to have him call in uh, because we are in the same office building. um, Technically different departments, but... uh, our days interact quite a bit. So you do, you're in project management, right? Correct. Great. And so I don't really get a whole lot into what the company is, except for the fact that we are a web development company and that we do digital marketing and that sort of thing. So from the day-to-day, how would you say you um, interact with clients? Like what is your, what is, give give a brief overview of what you think your job entails.
1: Okay, okay. Well, Steve, first, thank you for having me. It's always a pleasure to, you know, have this discussion and having, you know, hang out together. Uh, so, regard to my role, uh, as a project manager, I kind of communicate with the client, analyze their needs, what they're looking for. Uh, it could be as simple as a web application or an update to their uh, already implemented solution. So I kind of communicate with them, analyze their needs, and then uh, based on the discussion, I propose for them something that will work best for them. Very nice. Uh, From there, I kind of take it to my team and then uh, gear the project, uh, kind of creating the product, and then later on delivering the product to the customer.
0: So kind of overseeing it from conception to implementation. Very nice. Very nice. And and so what would you say is, is your favorite thing about your job? What do you love about this?
1: Uh, mainly assisting, uh, like, you know, when uh, someone comes to you with a problem and, like, you want when I address this and they have no clue, when we'll you just discuss with them, assisting them, uh, see how I kind of give them value of, uh, like, you know, how they can enhance things or develop it, it gives me a good feel about myself and that I'm,
0: you know, affecting someone else in a positive way. I totally love that. I think... You know, it's it's very easy to get wrapped up in selfish stuff. Yeah. And when you have a truly, um, I, I don't want to say a servant role, but you're being subservient in the in the idea of helping people reach their goals. Yeah. And so you're working in service of them. And exactly. um, seeing that get implemented is, I agree, 100% rewarding, especially like if somebody in my role that I have now a lot of times, it used to be that I would be the guy that that would set up the project, um, in that I would pitch to somebody, I'd go out and I'd, I'd find them, I'd pitch to them, and then you or one of your colleagues yep. would be the ones that would take over from there. So you'd get kind of a warm lead who had already agreed to do the project, you just had to iron out all the kinks and the details. Yes,
1: yes, and that's actually, that's another part of my role, because like, you know, you do, the digital marketing team do that as well as the sales, so I'll handle it from there after we get the first part and manage the delivery of the project.
0: Very nice. I think it it, it works really well, and I... I've only been with this company since May, and I've found that you've been a very valuable resource and a, a plethora you. of information. It's very true. That's why I was excited to – and I've been kind of pressuring you to come on the show is because I think not only professionally you're a wealth of knowledge, but I think you're a very worldly person. So um, I don't know if it comes across at all in the podcast, but you have a bit of an accent – <laughs>
1: true, true,
0: <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'm not sure if that comes across, but it's um, where, where were you raised? Where did you grow up? Tell me a little bit about your, your, your personal past and how you got to where you are today. I mean, you have, and ultimately, please touch on this, I'm correct in saying that you have two master's degrees, right? Correct. That's fantastic. So go ahead. Uh, so
1: yes, I do have an accent, and uh, I call myself a global citizen, and actually back in 2010, I attended a conference in, in uh, Asria. It was more about global citizenship, et cetera, and I, and I have a certificate, like, you know, just to prove it if need, <laughs> nice. to, be. need nice. to be. But uh, in <laughs> regard in to, exactly, but in regard to uh, how I grew up, where I grew up, and all those kind of details. Uh, so uh, I grew up in different countries, and the way that I break it down is in regard to my education. So I did my elementary education on, in Saudi Arabia, And then my uh, middle school in Tunisia, so like, you know, in Africa. And then my high school uh, was in Jordan. Wow. So like that's in, like, you know, the Middle East, Africa, that region. Uh, And then I came here in the United States and I did my degrees. Uh, I have a master's degree in human computer interaction and also a master's degree in curriculum instruction. And I kind of... uh, and the way that I approached these degrees was, uh, of course, I need to say also I have my background, bachelor uh, of science and computer sciences. <laughs> nice. So at that time, you know, I learned like you know the technical part and how to develop a program, etc. And then I was uh, looking to how I can approach this so it's more friendly to the end user, how they can better enhance, how they can understand the program. So with that in mind, uh, I was looking to do something unique compared to what my colleagues, because usually if you have a computer science degree, most probably you're going to go become a programmer. Mm -hmm. So for me, I was looking to how I can make a program that's more friendly to the end user. So with that, I did my master's degree in curriculum instruction, so I can learn more about the educational part, uh, creating curriculums, instructional technology. Uh, but even though with this, I feel like, okay, so right now I now understand the educational part as well as the technical part, but I feel like there is still a missing link. Mm-hmm. And that was kind of to get me to do my master's degree in human-computer interaction, because human-computer interaction is about usability, uh, you know, building something more user-friendly, accessible, etc. And that was able to tie the two together.
0: See, that's fascinating to me. Human-computer interaction. I, did, I didn't even know that such a degree existed um and as a as a social media marketer and a digital marketing minded guy i'm always watching for um you know google's voice search and mm-hmm. um you know the that i'm always watching the algorithms and things like that but i i recently did a blog for our company that talked about key pieces to be successful in google voice search and any voice search for that matter and a lot of it was just seo tips that that work anyway mm-hmm. but it was more geared toward you know, how people speak and how people inquire of their virtual and digital assistants. So I've got to ask you a couple of questions on that. Maybe we can nerd out a little bit here, but where do you see the future of of AI? Oh, boy. (laughs) Yeah, right? So AI, because, I mean, human-computer interaction, it doesn't get much more than that than than virtual reality, AI, augmented reality, all that stuff. So I'd love to pick your brain a little bit about that. That's an excellent question.
1: You know, I'm not an AI expert, but I, I know that the AI, it's, it's a field by itself, especially now, nowadays, uh, because trying to have the machine smart in a way where it can understand the human, mm-hmm. like, you know, without us, like, saying anything, if it can just read our mind and just like, no, oh, okay, so they want to do that, or the human want to do this, which I think right now we are at that uh, stage, because in theory, you can set up uh, like a routine or a scheduled task. And then your phone with that AI will can kind of remind you. Uh, so, for example, uh, let's pick up on Amazon here. Because, uh, you know, Amazon, they have the Dash button. Yep. Ocean in theory, you know, you click on the, on the button, it will order it for you. Uh, and I did, I think that they did a good job about, like, you know, starting to subscribe and save. But then probably there was something like, you know, even if they have subscribe and save, people continue to miss on ordering their stuff that they need to do. So just yeah. give them a button. It's more just click with the press of a button. You get stuff ordered to your house. Yeah, yeah. So I feel like the AI, it's like we are, uh, like, you know, we're definitely moving forward. Um, again, it's not that my area of expertise,
0: but it will be kind of amazed to see where we headed. It's definitely interesting to watch the technology. I mean, when you really think about it, one of the pieces of technology that I found fascinating is um, they have this tracking technology that's being implemented in some cases for truckers and for Uh those, and it tracks your eyes. So if you are starting to fall asleep or your eyes, and it's literally watching the pupils of your eyes. So you know if you seem distracted or whatever, it'll do some kind of a reminder to make sure that you're still (laughs) (laughs) awake. Or that you're not, you know, text driving or whatever it is that you I could you be hear doing. You. I hear you. And and I think, as you say, it's, as you said, it was, you know, anticipating what humans want. Yeah. And I know that, for example, uh, Microsoft, with some of their um, AI and augmented reality technology, they, they use a lot of visual tracking yep. um, wow. so that they can figure out what you're reading, where you're reading, what you're trying to do. Yeah. And I think that that is so fascinating. I mean, I'm so glad I don't have to figure out the algorithms behind oh, all boy. that stuff. Oh, yeah. That's a mess, but it's it's really interesting stuff. The other one that I find really interesting interesting have you ever heard of the company Magic Loop? nuts. No, uh, Magic, oh Magic Leap. That's what it is. Magic Leap. Leap. Nope. Okay, so Magic Leap is fascinating. It's a, an augmented reality company that Google invested two billion dollars in, not oh. to buy, but as an angel investor. Mm-hmm. And essentially, what it is is instead of um, like trying to show you different things, it somehow projects the images into your eyes yep. so that your brain actually picks it up as being there. Oh, wow. And so if you look at like Magic Leap, they have these, and you can wear, there's people who, if you, even if you're not doing it, if you're not engaging with it, whatever it is, you can actually see it. So to demonstrate it, they went, they took these kids and they put them in a big auditorium and then they turned on the Magic Leaf software, mm-hmm. Leap software and they showed this huge um whale jumping out of the floor of the oh, wow. uh, yeah, yeah of the basketball yeah. court and splashing down and like kids were like acting like they're gonna get splashed and so that's the the technology there was just so neat to see and the there's a lot of interviews with the people who are in the design process of this uh-huh. saying yeah so last night i was i was playing chess with abraham lincoln and you know what i mean yeah because that's yeah. what you can do and exactly. it reads your hand movements and things like that and I think that yeah. that especially like in terms of gaming, but also in practical application of, of just business stuff, we're going to come to a point where it's very much like um, Iron Man and Tony Stark and that oh, sort of yeah. thing, where you yes, can yeah. interact with that. I mean, there's there's technologies that that we've all seen probably where it's projected on the window, yeah, and you can use that oh. screen to do that. So,
1: and actually, you know, speaking about this uh, kind of uh, computer vision and computer learning, all those kind of things, so I have some interest in computer vision, and a while back I did some kind of uh, like you know. A presentation uh, here and there about computer vision. And I kind of hit it where uh, Amazon stores. So the Amazon store, you just walk in, grab stuff. Oh, yeah, yeah. So and that's based on computer vision, mm-hmm. and of course based on data because in theory the computer get all the data mm-hmm. from from the human, mm-hmm. which we give it to for them you know freely, mm-hmm. and then the, the computer will process it, and then when you walk into the store, they will either do a face recognition or figure out like, hey Ahmad, you will come here. I know last time you picked up this kind of stuff. Yeah, here we go, pick them up and go. Yeah, uh, and kind of. Uh, and sometimes it was kind of, I add to this, I feel like Hollywood play a part mm-hmm. in facing the AI and how we head down the road. Isn't that funny? Yeah, it is. It is. Sometimes it's kind of creepy to a degree, right?
0: Yeah. Uh, so there was a
1: movie back, I don't, I'm not sure about the year, but it's called Minority Report. Yeah. And it was, uh, the star was uh, Tom Cruise. Mm-hmm. So he walked into that kind of uh, a mall and then uh, I think his name was Anderson. So we walk in and then there was big screens on the side, like, welcome Mr. Anderson. And there was like a virtual reality application that greeting came, like, hey, we'll be interested in this. Yeah. Interested on in that. Uh, yeah. uh, and and I feel like, you know, it's back to the idea of AI where we're headed, because uh, I feel like right now, especially, you know, right now with the holidays around the corner, I know many people are you not know, shopping around for stuff to buy, et cetera. It would be great if instead of the human doing the thinking, if I can, you know, if the machine recommend to me some stuff to give to my loved ones. Yeah. Because of theory all of this are data and it's tracked. Yeah. So if I have connection to okay, so propose to me what's like my wife gonna get or what's something that she's
0: looking forward to get.
1: Yeah. And this way, I feel And they could be... base that
0: on on her past shopping. Exactly. Based yeah. on her past uh, experience of past shopping trends. So what's scary about that? I don't know. Did you hear about the the, <laughs> how uh, I believe it was Target got in trouble with oh, that? Yeah. Yeah. It's so ways. for those who don't know. Um, Target was able to track through a through their uh, rewards program or whatever what people were buying in this house, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and <laughs> they started sending these. Uh, you know, advertisements for baby stuff. Baby stuff, stuff yep, Diaper stuff. And it yep. was because the teenage daughter uh-huh. was pregnant. <laughs> and so, and yep. the dad found this and was like, wait a minute, what? And so it's kind of interesting. Yeah, um, man, the way I think that, because, you know, they
1: just started seeing this stuff to their house and like, you're not picking. And he's yeah, he's, yeah his wife, big, like, what? Yeah. Like, why do you think this? Probably there's um, some kind of mistake. Yeah, yeah. Here.
0: Yeah. Well, it's like there's an old joke that, uh, <laughs> that, My TiVo thinks I'm gay. I don't know if you've heard that joke. (laughs) So, back when TiVo first came out and they were doing smart TVs and you were recording and it would make recommendations based on that, um, this comedian, I don't recall who it was, Mm -hmm. said that uh, he watched, he had recorded um, Queer Eye for the Straight Guy and he had recorded a couple of different uh, interior design. Shows, oh. And so TiVo all of a sudden assumed that he was gay and started mm-hmm. – there was a network back in the day called Logo Network, which yeah. was all gay and lesbian <laughs> network oh stuff, and just started recording all this stuff for go. him and there filling up <laughs> his DVR. And he's like, what the heck? Like two <laughs> interior design shows and all worry. that. It's, it's funny. It, I think it'll be – there will be humorous stuff like that. What I worry about is when it comes to the point where it can shop for us. Oh, and yeah. starts spending our money for us. Mm-hmm. That's going to be a little problematic. The one thing I did think I do think is very interesting, and a lot of people don't don't even realize this. It's super, in my opinion, cutting edge. Is um, High V, which for those of you who don't know is a Midwest shopping uh, uh, grocery store, mm-hmm. um, and it's very very popular, very big in the Midwest, and and is spreading pretty quickly. It's all employee owned. Um, I am in a master's class right now uh, that's an MIS class. We use a program called Weka and Weka is designed to deal with big data. And so the homework that I had, we had this big data spread- spreadsheet of purchasings and you had to use a different a certain algorithm um, that was pre-programmed and you just had to run it on there and it would it would say okay, so if you buy fruits and vegetables, there is an 85% chance that you're going to buy uh bread and or bakery items. And you know, if you if you buy um bread And hot dogs, there's a good chance you're going to buy ketchup and mustard, you know. So it's basically the things – it tracked everybody's – yeah. And so it can make suggestions – so from a retail standpoint, it was helping with suggestive selling. Yeah. Now, hy goes so far above and beyond that with what they do with their data. It's absolutely brilliant, and I think a lot of companies could learn from it. What they do is they have the Fuel Saver program, which is where uh, you go in and you, you scan your card, and it'll give you $0.02 cents off this, $0.06 cents off that. And it's, they have general Fuel Saver sales, but then they also have custom sales. So they will send you coupons where you'll get X amount of cents off of whatever product or service or product. And what's neat about that is that the product recommendations they make are based on your buying cycle and your buying habits. Oh, wow. So I say I buy only Heinz ketchup and I buy it every three months. After about two and a half getting to three months when I will be right about that buying time they 'll send me a coupon book that'll have all kinds of stuff that I might be, whether it 's toilet paper milk, whatever in the brand that I usually buy wow. and then because their algorithm knows that people who buy milk are also more likely to yeah. buy orange juice or eggs, it 'll have a coupon for that, and they try and t- so they're really good about getting you in the door by offering you exclusive discounts that my neighbor, who also has a fuel saver, may not get. Because they buy different things. So it's really that such a brilliant way to do it um, and a good way to do suggestive selling and add-ons. And then, of course, they partnered with uh, Casey's General Stores to get discounts for gas. Yeah. Um, and I think Casey's got the raw end of the deal there, but <laughs> that's just me because they don't get a lot of the data stuff. But it, it's, it's definitely interesting. One other thing that I find interesting is that hy knows the psychology of the buyer. I noticed the other day, a while back actually – That when you go to check out, you know how they have all those impulse buy things like candies and toys Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. playing cards? I noticed that there was a glow and they had put these tiny little LED lights behind under so it illuminated all the candy. And because humans get distracted by bright, shiny objects, sure enough, you know, you'd look over and you'd see these lights, you'd see the the candy illuminated. And it wasn't intrusive, it was just enough to catch your eye because something was a little off. Yeah, check me out. Yeah, and it was so funny because. Apparently once they did that they did see a huge increase in their impulse buy stuff because you know subconsciously oh yeah that candy bar looks good you know what i mean yeah. that's on so, sale too right yeah good exactly <laughs> so it's i think that, that kind of plays to your point your idea of, of you know understanding buying patterns yeah. and buying cycles and i think that's going to be very interesting now here's the real question how do you think understanding data and capturing data how do you think that, that is a, uh, is missed is a missed opportunity by the average company small, medium, large, whatever, the average cus company, what kind of data do you think they could be, should be capturing that's not too intrusive? I, I'd like to kind of get your take on that whole side of it.
1: Yeah, that's kind
0: of, you know, it's a good question.
1: And I feel it depends on like the uh, company needs. But since I work in, like, you know, in a web development firm, and you know, our main venue of a product is a website. Uh, and I feel any company that have a website, they need to pay extra attention to, like you know, how to market the website, and then track the website visitors. Mm-hmm. And if there is a certain area they want to focus, like you know, we are opening a new branch in somewhere, and want to advertise that on my website, it'll be good to track user metrics and kind of market it in the right direction. Don't just go off, like you know, Facebook is good just post uh, Facebook ads there. Of course, it's helpful, but at the same time, if you don't know. Uh, if you didn't check, like, for example, Google Analytics or the statistics of your website, you will not know for sure if you are in the right path. And can I use that data in a good way, not just collect it and know, like, you know, so I have data, now what? Mm-hmm. Okay, so you know you have data, right? Now you need to act on it. Because this is another aspect of having the data, not just collecting it and, like, know about it.
0: Absolutely. So so when you say that, what? give me an example. How? What would be a good example of utilizing data in a good way to act on it? Okay. Uh, So,
1: for example, like I, like for example, like I have data from maybe students. Mm -hmm. So, like traffic coming from like Ames. Ames is a college town, and you know there is a lot of students. And that means I need to have content on my website. If I have product geared towards students, it's just advertised more for them. So yeah. it be easier for them to find it. So instead of, you know, it's back to the same point, if data, if I can figure out, okay, so they come to my website and they're navigating through the pages, but then they end up leaving it without buying and maybe the, they came to the website after seeing an ad that I advertise for it, but that means we're missing something. Maybe the product is not accessible for them to find it. Maybe the content isn't clear enough, or maybe there was a problem in the pricing or the shipping. Maybe the cost of shipping was too much as well. So with these kind of questions, uh, if we have enough data, we can sort out like, yeah, let's adjust the pricing, let's adjust the shipping, let's adjust the product uh, view. Mm-hmm. With all of this kind of... Uh, uh, value acting on the data, I feel, uh, will, will the client or the website will have a better return of investment.
0: I agree, hundred percent. One of the issues that that a lot of e-commerce companies face, I think, is abandoned carts. True. And so it's like, what do we do with that? What yeah. do we do about that? And um, you know, sometimes the answer is putting a pop up. So after yep. you, if you're Tell on me. the cart. And then it pops up and says, complete your order within the next 24 hours, get 10% yeah. off. Um, that's one way to do it. Um, yeah, and
1: actually, you have a good point. Because sometimes like the change or the thing doesn't need to be that much dramatic or big.
0: It could be just as simple as like, you
1: know, just add a message to catch or up. just a link. Exactly. A yep. link or like, an image. Sometimes simple change uh, could retain a lot of results.
0: Well, and I, think that's, I think that might be part of the issue, too, is that people will go to a, a website to buy something. And then they'll be like, OK, now I know what the price is with shipping. Where can I get it cheaper? Good point. And so Good point. keeping them in that shopping cart, I think that's why I pop up with 10% off. Another thing that I haven't talked to you about, but I've been talking a lot about because I think it's really cool is, um, a lot of, a lot of missed opportunity comes in the form of, um, Instagram stories and mm-hmm. Facebook stories. Um, with the stories, you can actually, for 24 hours, it'll post an image, uh, or a short video on your Instagram or your Facebook. And... I think that that'd be a great e commerce tool because you could do an exclusive sale for your Instagram followers, and this code is valuable for 24 hours, and it pops up on there and it says, you know, 10% off your entire order, you know, whatever it is, or for a specific product if you want to push a new product, and then it has a link directly to that website for that product. Um, So then the buying intent is through the roof. Why would I go price shop if I know I've only got... It's the fear of missing yeah, out. Exactly. And the cool thing about exactly. posting it on stories and doing it that way is they don't know when that story was posted. Yep. They have no idea if that 24 hours is over in 23 hours or in 10 minutes. Yeah. So they have to get on there, punch in the code, and pray it works. And I think that that's a really good way to drive high volume traffic with buying intent. Yep. But it, it'd have to be based on a, on a strategy mm-hmm. and... Um, like a whole campaign to say, you. hey, I mean, join you. our Facebook, get exclusive deals. Because yeah. my studies have shown that people follow businesses on social media for three reasons. Yeah. One, they want discounts. I hear you. Two, they want to see how the sausage is made. They want to see uh-huh. what it's like in the place. Yeah. And, um, and three, they want industry insider news. And so if you can provide all three of those things while pushing traffic, but you'll notice none of that says, I want you to sell to me. No. <laughs>
1: that's a good point Because it's up to the user to figure out, yeah, I need that. Yeah. Or I need it because this good pricing. And I and I think uh like like for me personally, like sometimes I feel oh that's a good deal. You know, I will get to it like you know, I'm busy. I'll yeah. get to it and buy it like at night or tomorrow.
0: Mm-hmm. But then what will
1: happen when I go buy it, either it's out of stock mm-hmm. or the promotion is already over. Mm-hmm. So that I learned from my own mistakes, okay, next time when I see a deal I'm just gonna go ahead and buy it. I'm yeah. not gonna wait. Yeah. We talked
0: about shoes that way. You you said that you're, yeah, yeah. you're very, that's how you order your shoes. You, yeah, you had exactly. to go through a little trial and error, but you figured it out. Yeah. So right now just know the brand and the size. And if there's a deal, don't wait, just go and buy it. Amen. Well, that's part of the reason that I was, that I was kind of excited to talk to you about the shopping side of things is because Black Friday is when this is going to air. Oh yeah. This episode will oh, air on Black Friday. Wonderful. So uh, it, it makes sense to kind of digest and, and, you know, take apart how yeah, the how the e commerce and the sales goes, um, and I think that's that's another side of it. So there's Black Friday and then there's Cyber Monday, mm-hmm. and I think that going back to what we were talking about about understanding uh, consumer buying patterns yeah. and behavior, if you really do the research and you you put the time and money and effort into creating exclusive and specific marketing geared towards specific customers, mm-hmm. you can really use that as a powerful tool. So I think one of the missteps might be. Um, and I don't know if they still do this, I'm pretty sure they do, but GameStop is a retailer, um, across the country that sells video games, uh-huh, right? Uh-huh. And so one of the things they started doing a few years back and they still do it is they'll give out a flyer that it gets leaked online, which yep. is not actually, yep, leaked, which is not clear. Yep. but it has yep. all of their sales that are going to be coming. Mm-hmm. And then they also start giving out the flyer early so mm-hmm. that you can plan to go there yeah, exactly. and buy it. And I think that what would have made more sense is if rather than spending the money on you know creating this big brochure full of all kinds uh-huh. of junk if you say okay this guy owns a PlayStation 4 More targeted exactly. yeah exactly, exactly. More targeted. why would i send xbox 1 game yeah. ideas to somebody who mm-hmm. i know has played has only purchased PlayStation that's from me okay. so i think there's uh, that's you know that's the the benefit of a loyalty program. Yeah. And that's back like the same point, like he could use of the data that they have. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I think that's, that's why I'm fascinated by the fact that Walmart doesn't have a loyalty program. Some people assume it's because they don't care about their customers enough to do a loyalty program. But in reality, what I think the average consumer doesn't realize is the loyalty program isn't about you. Mm-hmm. It's about your data. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. about your shopping habits, your patterns, and it's about figuring out how to get stuff in front of you. And so I, I like. I mean, imagine if, with all the junk and stuff that Walmart sells, or Target for that matter. Imagine if they did. If if Walmart did start a loyalty program, just how invasive they could be. You know.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I hear you. And you know another another aspect of the loyalty program, and because uh, I feel like there was always like this kind of battle between the prices, mm-hmm. between Walmart, Amazon, or
0: anyone else. Yep, competitive nature. Yeah, and I
1: feel like, you know, Amazon, they do it with their prime, and then uh, Walmart, I don't think they have a program, but they do
0: something regarding to shipping. Yeah, probably. Yeah.
1: But you yeah, a good point.
0: Yeah. It's definitely interesting stuff, and I find, it, I find it fascinating. It's always fun to watch and see what the trends are and what mm-hmm. they're going to be. Um, and, you know, to the average consumer, it's just, is it easy for me to buy? Yeah, definitely. What's more easy and what's to the point? <laughs> what's, what's, cheapest? What's, what's cheapest? What's cheapest? What's going to work the best for me? So it's it's fun stuff. I I, get, I got into, for sales psychology, a couple episodes back, I got into um, how there's a very specific buying pattern that we all mm-hmm. have yeah. where it's needs recognition and then it's info seeking and then it's searching for alternatives and then you make the decision to buy and then you actually go buy and then you do a post-sale evaluation to see how it all works out. And I think that the struggle of the marketer is always trying to trigger that needs recognition. Yeah. But then not only that, but then be the end all and be all. And I think one company that does a good job of that is Progressive Insurance because they say, here's our stuff, which you know you need insurance, otherwise you wouldn't be looking at mm-hmm. us. But here's the list of all of our competitors Competing, too. Yep, yep. So even if we're not the best, at least you have those options. And they're hoping that that goodwill of saying, even though we're not the best, here's all your options, will make you go, well, what else do you have for discounts? So Yeah.
1: Yeah. And you know, I am, I am kind of, uh, client of Progressive because they get me this way when I did the same uh, type of thing. Yeah, yeah, a while back, yeah. like, mm, probably ten years ago, but right now they're keeping me with them because they continue give me this kind of loyalty rewards, like I'm a long time customers and like you know they have packages, diamond, silver, etc., mm-hmm. accident forgiveness, etc. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's back to the same point, like you know,
0: using the data in the right way and how to market to your uh, target audience. Okay, so we get to talk about something. I just thought of this too. Yeah. Um, We get to talk about something super exciting because it's insanely relevant to this week. Mm -hmm. Um, The uh, uh, October 29th, about a month ago, the internet turned 50 years old, Mm -hmm. and the father of the internet was a guy named Tim Berners-Lee. Yeah, you know the article I'm talking about, or what I'm about to talk about. No, I I know him, and because I know, like part of I did like uh,
1: my uh, in my uh, master's degree for clinical instructions. Uh My topic was. Web presence, nice, and how, uh, like, how can an educator present himself using a good web presence? Nice, And yeah. In a way, because you know, right now we have many of uh, like college uh, professors. And many of them, they don't have a specialized page. It's more like my hours, my research, my yeah. etc. Isn't that much of our presence of what they can do, what their mm-hmm. interest, how to interact with their student, how to interact yeah. with the world, etc. Yeah. Et so that was part of my research, and I kind of start like you know getting to the early age of the internet, how did the internet started, yeah. those kinds of things.
0: Yeah, yeah. So for those who aren't aware, Tim Berners Lee, the first web page ever to be designed is still up. It's text-based, uh-huh. and it's, there's links uh, in it that are, that are pretty great. And it was basically an outline of what the World Wide Web was supposed to be, what the Internet was supposed to be, and how it was supposed to be used. And so this guy created the World Wide Web, and he created the first web page, and then it kind of grew, and it went into e-commerce became yeah. a big thing, and search engines and all that stuff. Well, 30 years later, because that was about 30 years ago... Yeah. Thirty years later, uh, he has he and the World Wide Web Foundation have decided that they are not at all happy with the direction the internet yes. is taking. They feel there's so much negativity. They feel like the internet is supposed to be a tool to be used for good yes. and to spread positive message yes. and to spread. I, I actually did a blog about this for our website. Oh, um, yeah, yeah uh, this week. Yeah, it's so great. Uh, I'm bragging. It's so great. <laughs> it really is. It's Close cool. It. I was really happy about it. I did a lot of research. <laughs> But um, (laughs) it's been a long time on that. Something else to remember about. I'm so humble. (laughs) uh,
1: Something else to think about, like when he created the World Wide Web. The main focus was as a way to collaborate, yeah, share information. Yep. Across seas, across teams. Share knowledge. Yeah. Share knowledge. But right now, the way the internet is going is like, yeah, we do some sharing, but it's 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 a different
0: aspect. If I were him, I would have stepped stepped in back in the early 2000s when it all became about cats. Oh boy, that's when that's (laughs) when you're like, look. You need to get them out of here. This is not what it's meant for. No, I'm kidding. But no, he 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 talks about how, you know, over half the population of the world has the tools to get online but doesn't have access to the internet. True. He talks about how information is stifled by um, governments and organizations and that the internet should be free for everybody and should be positive. And, and then he talks about, like, Essentially, what the GDPR does with mm-hmm. the data regulations mm-hmm. and, and keeping your private information private and cookies Practice and all that stuff, stuff. Yeah. yeah. So that's that's become a big thing. So he's created this thing called the Contract for the Web, mm-hmm. and you are, and 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 he's had. Let's see, Google has signed on, DuckDuckGo has signed on, which those two don't agree about anything. Yeah, but they agreed yeah. on that one. Um, Facebook, uh, Microsoft, Apple, um, all these massive companies, um, Reporters Without Borders, all these massive organizations are all signing on to this, and even world leaders. I think it's over 80 different organizations helped pen this thing. But it breaks into three sections. There's governments, there's uh, companies, and there's citizens. And then each of those three has three bullet points that are their responsibility to help make sure that we ensure the positive uh, fight for the web and that the web is being used for the right things and it can correct it. And what's interesting is this isn't just um, all theoretical, you know, oh this is this would be lovely. It's not aspirations. Mm-hmm. It's expectations. Yeah. And so he outlines they I keep saying he because he penned most of it and he's the one that's really going Yeah, but down. it's a team effort. Right. Definitely. So it's literally actionable step-by-step things that organizations, yep. governments and citizens can take to essentially save the internet Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. (laughs) the guy who built the first web page ever and and invented the web wants to save the internet and i just i think it's 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 fascinating because correct me if i'm wrong but i think that that data uh privacy issues are going to continue to grow oh yeah and i think that we're going to get a lot of fight back from the united states specifically because big data is big money
1: Yes, definitely. Because, you know, there is companies that this is how they make their income, mm-hmm. through big data, mm-hmm. analyzing big data and how to manage big data, etc. At the same time, I feel privacy is a big issue. Because, like, you know, once, well, not once in a while, almost every month we hear there is a preach somewhere.
0: Mm-hmm. And your information get like used or misused. Mm-hmm. Even the credit bureaus have have reported yeah. massive hundreds of thousands of people being affected by data breaches. Yeah. And if your if you're, <laughs> if your data is not safe with the credit bureaus, exactly where then? That's, yeah. Anyway, it's definitely uh, interesting, and and um, this has been a very engaging conversation. Is there anything else that you want to talk about? Ask about anything? This is where you get to, pick the you <laughs> to shine or whatever you want to do. You can talk about whatever you like.
1: No, I'm just kind of, you know, I'm, I'm always happy to share my background and my culture and open for discussion, because I feel uh, communication and op- being open widely, it's a key. And yeah. I feel like I have this as part of my uh, personality, and I'm a big believer in open communication and just discussing everything in the open. So mm-hmm. thank you for your time, and thank you for having me.
0: It's uh, Honestly, it's been my pleasure. I got to tell you, Man, when I first started here, um, I came in for the interview and you, this, this, you know, nine foot tall man comes yeah, out of his office. I can, can I help you? What's yeah. <laughs> Hi. And he's super smiley and happy and, and, uh, nice too. yeah, it was, it was, uh, you know, can I help you? And I was like, I, I'm here to see, uh, and of course, Yakovos is our, is our boss and he's super, super nice guy. <laughs> I had no idea how to pronounce his name. Mm-hmm. I said, I'm, "I'm here to see." I think I'm here to see the boss. He said, "Oh, Yakovos." I was like, "Okay, so note some Yakovos." Yakovos. He's yeah. Greek, so it's spelled differently than you would expect. But it was it was definitely um, interesting and, and gave me a good first impression. And my first day, you've always been very welcoming, and I've always appreciated that. Oh, so, thank you, thank you. Um, I try to do
1: my best to you know to empower my team and and back to the same point because I feel if I assist someone else, I feel good about it.
0: Yeah, so, I think you're yeah. you're a heck of a leader, and I I hope that. Uh, And I'm going to get to it because I said I was going to. Where do you see yourself uh, in the next five years? Oh. Or Uh, 10. Or 20. Or 20. (laughs) Or 50. I don't care. He's like cryogenically frozen in 100 years waiting for...
1: (laughs) There we go. There we go. That will be nice. You know, solve the problem with the web. Mm -hmm. Just get a new web design somewhere. Everything will be better. Uh, All joke aside, I just feel um, like in the next five years or so, Uh, I'm just kind of working myself as usual, enhancing my skills, et cetera, Uh, but probably I need, I feel like I would like to expand more on uh, kind of the enterprise level, where I kind of work more with uh, bigger teams, because right now we have a small team, bigger teams
0: and in the global
1: side instead of just in the United States.
0: Nice. I think, I I love that you're a global citizen and that you're so open and that you've traveled and you've had so much experience outside of the United States. I think that... As as citizens of the United States, we sometimes find ourselves in a bubble, true. And, and we see things our way. And even those of us who are who take the time to really understand cultures outside and yeah. what it would take to be oh, more yeah. successful, it, you don't really know until you've been there. Exactly, and you'll be fascinated, like how
1: the uh, the rest of the world look at us, mm-hmm. like you know. And it's a mixed mixed feeling, mm-hmm. like you know. Some of us look us like you know. All of us here live the American dream, and you know we have fancy cars, fancy houses. Yeah. But, you know, at the end, we're people.
0: Yeah. Grass is always greener is what they say, you know. Oh, that, yeah. Uh, grass yeah. is always greener. But I think you're right. We're all, we're all people. And I, one of the – I don't know that you know this about the podcast, but one of the goals of the podcast is to um, open people's minds and awesome. uh, connect and just, just stress the power of open communication. Mm-hmm. So, again, thank you so much for coming on. If there's ever anything I can do for you, you have my phone number, even though I hadn't put you in my phone yet. <laughs> and I was like, uh, who this?" But no, it it was Ahmad, so now I have I have his number saved with a great picture of him. Um, and uh, feel free to tune into the podcast anytime and, and, and do it differently. you're more than welcome to be on if there's ever anything that you want to talk about. Awesome. Well, thank, thank you, you me, much thank sir. You. A good one. So there you have it folks, Ahmad Al Kofahi and his take on the world of e-commerce, shopping, virtual reality, augmented reality digital shoppers and big data i hope you enjoyed yourself i know i sure did i'd like to take this moment to say thank you very much ahmad for being on you're a great friend a great mentor and i learn a lot from you every day i work with you so thank you for taking some time out of your busy day to chat with me about the future of big data and where the world sits and how it uses it and thank you for joining us my wonderful podcast listeners until next time dig deep my friends